0: Welcome back to Outfit, a queer fashion podcast that explores the relationship between the LGBTQ community and our clothing. It's all about being gay and wearing clothes. My name's Ellen Ford. If you take a look at fashion over time, certain garments, color palettes, and specific styles were used to signify things like class, military status, and gender. Over time, meaning and ownership shifted as societies shifted. Well, to the American woman, pants are a relatively new acquisition. To understand how pants and gender roles have evolved to what we know today, let's start in the 18th century. My guest is Dr. Kimberly Chrisman Campbell.
1: I'm a fashion historian. I did my PhD um, in art history, but with an emphasis in fashion, and I studied at the Uh, Courtauld Institute of Art for my MA, which has one of the few um, master's degrees in history of dress. Guys, she's a dress doctor. The 18th century has always been my my first love in fashion history. And it's sort of like if you're interested in cars, uh, kind of the Formula One, but the fashion equivalent, because that's really where the innovation was taking place, where you had the biggest and the best. Uh, Everyone was looking to France for the fashion inspiration. No matter which country uh, you were in, you were pretty much following French fashion. That was the ideal that everyone aspired to. And what were some of
0: those those trends that they were setting or what were they wearing that people's that people caught on to
1: well for men um the three-piece suit was the latest and greatest in fashion Mm -hmm. and of course that consisted of um, coat vest and breeches rather than long trousers Mm -hmm. Uh, long trousers were the working man's garment if you were a rich man uh, you wore breeches
0: and um what were the women wearing
1: Women were wearing the robe a la Française or the robe a la Anglaise. Uh, these are two different styles of dresses that are functionally pretty similar. Um, and again, a three-piece outfit consisting of a robe-like um, overgarment, um, a petticoat, which was actually a skirt underneath that you could seize in the, in the front, and then a triangular um, piece called a stomacher that covered kind of where, where the robe didn't close in the front. It sounds like if you're trying
0: to picture all this, they're very different. Men's and women's dress are polar opposites almost. Right. right. I
1: I mean, yes, there was a very clear uh, gender distinction between the suit and the dress, but at the same time, a lot of things that we now consider to be gendered feminine were absolutely unisex, um, lace, embroidery, silk and satin, high heels, jewelry, cosmetics. They were signs of wealth and taste rather than gender. Men who were dressed in a very elaborate or, um, even at the time um feminine style were not considered to be homosexual they were considered to be very heterosexual they Mm -hmm. were sort of more associated with the world of seducers and you know they they understood women they they related to women can't just look at a man in the 18th century and say oh well he's wearing lace and ribbons yeah uh, therefore he's gay Uh, not at all he's just a really stylish guy right um and the you know homosexual community was was very much underground and um You know it it was punishable by death and of course that that absolutely happened at the time Mm -hmm. so it was not something that you you could advertise and it was not advertised in the way that we might think today as well you're you're wearing an earring or you're wearing something you know flamboyant Mm -hmm. um everybody was flamboyant
0: everybody was flamboyant so flamboyancy was was wealth and taste yes in 18th century european society garments were categorized by your biological sex And people didn't really stray too much from that. Petticoats are for females. breeches and trousers are for males. Most people only express their gender through their clothing, reflecting the sex they were assigned at birth. That's it. Do you know of any instances where people were subverting gender roles or a retaliation of gender roles in dress so
1: one one very famous example and I'm, I'm sort of hesitant to get into it because it, it's sort of a long story and there's <laughs> russian spies and oh everything. we love that uh, but the chevalier dion was a famous crossdresser of the 18th century and you know the question is was he a crossdresser because he wanted to be or because he was forced to be mm-hmm. uh you know there were rumors of him being a spy in russia and cross-dressing to spy on Catherine the great uh but then you know, the king got mad at him and told him you have to wear women's clothes from now on. So th- it, it's very hard to get at the truth of, you know, was this actually something he would have done on right. his own or was or it was part it of his career? And his-
0: the Chevalier Dion was a French diplomat and a spy. During their career, they infiltrated the Russian courts by presenting as a woman. They lived much of their life as a woman and claimed to have been assigned female at birth. Upon death, the surgeon who examined their body found, quote, Male organs in every respect, perfectly formed, as well as, quote, remarkably full breasts. This essentially suggests that Dion may have been born intersex.
1: And I I think the truth is actually somewhere in between. I think he did um, have a taste for cross-dressing. Yeah. Um, I've looked at his wardrobe bills and he was absolutely buying women's clothes for himself. And he made a lot of money by doing like fencing exhibitions in women's clothes. <laughs> uh, so he was sort of a, a, a celebrity cross-dresser. Yeah. It was, it was a much more simplistic view of, you know, is he, you're either a man or a woman. You're, right. not, you're not one trying to be the other. Right. And the question was, which is he? Which is he? Yeah. Oh, I love
0: that. Yeah. I love that. I'd like to think that if Chevalier Dion were alive today, they would feel comfortable using they-them pronouns and could describe their gender identity as non-binary or gender-fluid or trans. Considering a king had the power to sentence people to cross-dressing as punishment, European society is a long way from accepting women in trousers. Over in the United States, anti-vagrancy laws basically said that disguising yourself was illegal and those laws were being used to enforce gender norms in clothing. The New York Daily Times reported that a woman named Harriet French was arrested under this law in 1856 in order to, quote, get more wages. Another lady, Jenny Westbrook, was also dressing as a man in order to be paid like a man. She was arrested for this in 1882 and 1883. Her reasoning was that she could make $20 a week in her disguise, but as a sales lady in a fashionable store, the pay would only be one-third that amount. There are a ton of examples of women dressing as men for lots of good reasons, which leads us to the dress reform era of the 1850s here in the United States.
1: The, the history of trousers for women in, in Western fashion um, kind of begins with Amelia Bloomer in the mid um, 19th century, a feminist and dress reformer. Um, These were very voluminous um, knee-length trousers Mm -hmm. that, you know, from a distance you might even mistake for for a skirt because they were so full. This didn't really catch on. Um, There's some great letters uh, from Susan B. Anthony talking about how she tried to kind of wear this. The letter was actually two, it was with Katie Stanton I think where where you know they had both sort of experimented with bloomers <laughs> and although they found them comfortable and practical they decided it wasn't worth the hassle that they got for right. wearing them um, so they both kind of considered it a failed experiment. So Susan B. Anthony
0: let me get this straight. Susan B. Anthony writes a letter to Katie Stanton yes, and says hey girl
1: <laughs> have you heard about these bloomers? As I recall it was with Katie Stanton who tried it, tried it first and uh-huh. then gave up on it right but it wasn't working but susan bianthony gave it a try anyway and she, she also shot. said yeah and she said you know People I, made feel fun you. Of me. These, I don't yeah. get these things right. so, it, so it was she, before its time it did not catch on
0: great news i found these letters and pulled an excerpt of my favorite one where katie stanton describes the harassment women were subjected to i will now have jackie johnson host of natch butte podcast read it to you soon found that the physical freedom enjoyed did not compensate for the persistent persecution and petty annoyances suffered at every turn. To be rudely gazed at in public and private, to be the conscious subjects of criticism, and to be followed by crowds of boys in the street, were all, to the last degree, exasperating. Women were harassed in public until they went back to wearing the bustles and skirts that they had tried to escape in the first place. Susan B. Anthony will later write that she felt like wearing bloomers made people not listen to what she had to say anymore, that she wasn't taken seriously.
1: And those are bloomers, and bloomers fail. Those are bloomers. Okay, yeah. so then. But then in the 1890s, um, the bicycle craze hit Europe. Bicycle. I want to ride my and the women wanted to ride bicycles, yeah. so they started wearing bloomers again, and often again you know, with a skirt over it. Mm-hmm. So that was another big moment for women right. in pants. Um, in the 1920s, Coco Chanel um, oh, yeah. was living on the French Riviera. She was instrumental in popularizing beach pajamas. So these right. are, again, you know, they look like skirts. They're really long. They're really full. Uh, you don't really see the legs, but they were bifurcated garments
0: bifurcated yes
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> bifurcated bifurcated so, garments so word. it's great um so Coco chanel was one of the people who sort of repopularized these in in the 20s and 30s for the beach mm-hmm. um not really worn anywhere else by by the 30s and 40s he started getting um kind of the pajama pant for evening mm-hmm. or so the, sort of the formal evening pajama um <laughs> uh, in the fifties, you know, jeans and sort of the the rocker biker look became more mm-hmm. popular, you know. Again, it, it tended to be a very casual, very sporty garment, but never really went away after that.
0: Pants never really did go away, but it took a while for them to gain full social acceptance for women. I wanna introduce my next guest, Florence Arrow. She goes by Flory and she will turn ninety-four this year. Flory's perspective is important because she witnessed the coming of age for pants-wearing women. We're about to walk into her house, which is in the heart of Los Angeles, in a beautiful, quiet neighborhood.
2: I hear you. Oh, hi, Flory. Hi, come on in. I'm Ellen. Hi, Ellen. Nice to meet you. You know, when I'm in the back of the house, it Uh takes me a little while. That's okay. I didn't know if
0: it worked or not, so I'm glad. Yeah,
2: I know everybody says it, and then they bring it again, and... I still didn't hear it. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, do come in.
0: Flory was born in 1925 in the Bronx, New York. Her parents were Russian Jews who immigrated in the early 1920s. Both of her parents knew how to sew and got jobs in the garment district of New York. So my dad started
2: working in a factory that made suits and cloaks, uh, women's suits and cloaks. Can't remember the name of the but high-end. Like a suit would sell for $200. And back then? Then $200, my mother could live months on. $200 in
0: 1920 (laughs) is the equivalent of $5,289.12. So yeah, high-end. So because your father was working sewing women's suits, and sounds like your mother was also working Mm -hmm. in the clothing industry, Where did your clothes come from? From them. What
2: they would do in several factories, each person would do what they do
3: in the shop.
2: Uh We didn't have a lot of money, or
0: I would say money. (laughs) (laughs)
2: But we wore beautiful clothes.
0: Right. Lori's clothes were mostly dresses and skirt suits and shorts, which were only reserved for what she calls the country. So I asked her about the first time she saw a woman in pants.
2: One girl I know, she was three years older than me. I was probably about 13. Mm-hmm. And she had pants.
0: What was that like?
2: Unusual. Uh
0: huh.
2: And I loved them and I wanted to have them.
0: So at this time, Flory is 13, which makes it 1938. And women wearing pants is unusual. She went on to tell me about her first pair of pants, which were jeans and she won't get those for another seven years. The first, now
2: maybe it was because it was jeans. I remember it a lot. I love them. You bought them? I bought them. Okay. Oh yeah, that my mother didn't do. But I only wore them, what we say, in the country. I would never wear them to school.
0: Was it a dress code rule, or just uncomfortable for you personally?
2: Well, that's what it was. Yeah. There wasn't any, if, if you don't know any different, then you, you don't know.
0: Yeah. That's it. Eventually, Flory's life will lead her to Los Angeles. She'll get married, buy a house, and start a family. Her daughter, Hillary, is about to become a legend at the elementary school across the street. As of the 1960s, girls still wear dresses to school. And Hillary is having none of it. She always hated
2: not wearing pants to school really because she says i like to go on the things to climb and uh-huh. she says and you know the boys are all want to look up your dress yep. and she didn't like that so she was always very upset so she came home one day my husband was a lawyer mm-hmm. she comes home and she's complaining that i don't like it when i
0: can't wear pants uh-huh. and, and then i had a feeling that hillary yeah. might have some thoughts of her own to add so I called her.
3: Hi, this is Hillary. Hey, Hillary, it's Ellen. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? <laughs> Good. I understand you had a nice chat with my mom. I
0: sure did. She said uh, you didn't like the little boys on the playground looking up your skirts and dresses.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> not what I wanted in fourth and fifth grade.
0: Yeah. So... <laughs> So she told me you, you did something about it.
3: It was it was kind of an ongoing, you know, saga at the school, but...
0: Um, oh, really?
3: Well, it wasn't just a... I mean, you know, the, the fifth and sixth grade girls have been talking about it for a while. We, oh. You know, made the request to wear pants. Mm-hmm. And the answer came back, no, the policy is dresses.
2: My husband says to her, well, look, you're not going to get anywhere if you just be mad. Go talk to the principal.
0: And the principal was a woman?
2: Yes. Very nice. She was terrific. Everybody yeah. loved her. Great.
3: But she was against pants.
0: Really?
3: You know, we were told no, and then we got we all got together, and it was a group of the fifth and sixth grade girls. Oh, awesome. And so we decided we staged a sit-in because it was 69 or 70. That's that's what what you do. (laughs) So the bell rang. We all line up. We walk up to the class. We go upstairs. And we got up to the door of the classroom and all the girls just sat down. She was very brave. So the principal called an assembly, you know, with the fifth and sixth grade girls.
2: So she goes and talks to the principal and tells the principal that she doesn't think it's fair the
3: response from the principal was very consistent which was you know tradition it was you know traditionally girls wear dresses and skirts to school that's always been the rule Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you know there's you know that's just the way it is I mean she had no reason
2: so she comes home and my husband's okay what happened and he goes, Tell me
3: exactly the words she used. So what she had said to us at the assembly after listening to everything, she you know, she said, Well, you know, I've heard your so thoughts. So she said, Well, she said I don't, don't want, you want you to, you to wear, wear pants. pants. Hmm. Not you can't, not you know, she says I don't want you to do it. He
2: says She didn't say don't wear pants. He goes, put your pants
3: on. I said, okay, so I called all my friends, said, i am wearing pants tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we all showed up in pants tomorrow. And she went to
2: school the next
3: day. Enough of us did. A group of us did. We just wore them, and we never heard a word about it since.
2: Principal didn't say one word, and little by little, the, her friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: that was the night I was calling around. I said, hey, my dad said I could.
2: Oh, I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. I was very proud of her. Oh, that's and it. I couldn't see why they wouldn't, wa- wouldn't want them to wear pants. You know, if you wore something, I don't know, spooky or, you know, made fun of other people or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but
0: what's pants? Yeah. Hillary will go on to become a lawyer just like her dad. And she tells me that still to this day, she thinks twice before wearing pants to federal court. And only in the mid-1990s was it acceptable for women to wear pants in state court. You're probably wearing pants right now and you can thank a cross-dressing French spy, a failed invention by Emilio Bloomer, Coco Chanel, and a bunch of fifth and sixth grade girls in LA, and a massive number of other people who have been erased from history or hurt or even killed for being who they were. I hope you never take for granted your bifurcated garments. This episode focused on European fashion and Western culture, but many other people should be included in the story of the LGBTQ community and their clothing. And they will. So stay tuned for the next episodes. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to Outfit. This podcast was written, produced, and hosted by me, Ellen Ford. Guidance and mentorship was provided by Willis Seidenberg, Laura Castaneda, Tina Hatainen jones and Sasha Annewalt. Technical support was provided by Victor Figueroa and Sebastian Gruba. Original artwork was done by Cherilyn Jack Duris, and this podcast was produced at the University of Southern California Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism in Los Angeles, California.